Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. It's kind of hard to pick a topic a lot in the summertime because uh, we're mostly just keeping our heads down working or going on vacations here and there. And we're just kind of plowing through things we have to do for the fall releases. There's not a lot going on, so we kind of wanted to just take this episode to basically do like a status update of, of what we've been working on, why, and then what we're kind of planning for the you know imminent summer or imminent fall releases of all these OSs and possible new hardware and everything. Because we're kind of in the home stretch now. The, the pace of betas from Apple has been steady, but the pace of changes in each beta has been dropping dramatically. So you can tell, like, you know, the OS betas are stabilizing. The tooling has not changed much in the last few weeks. Like, there hasn't been an Xcode release uh, in a few weeks, even, even a couple of betas ago. And so everything seems to be coasting in for landing here. Like, we're, we're getting close. We're, we're, the new OSs are imminent. They are probably going to have some kind of event and release of the new OSs within about three or four weeks. So we're, we're really in the home stretch here. And, uh, and so we kind of want to just go over, like, what have we been doing and where are we in our summer progress? So, Dave, what have you been doing? Yeah, so the, the, one of my big goals for, like, I ended up structuring my work this summer slightly different than I think I have in, in other years, where... The initial betas, um, as they came out, were pretty rough this year. Um, like they just, they, like things just seemed unsettled. Um, at least for those first, those first few betas. And so, like I just felt bad and tricky about um, diving into them too much right away. Like it just didn't seem like a good fit, both for my schedule and the amount I'll be working, as well as just like it was just not going to be a great idea. And especially because iOS 13 drops support for a number of the sort of older devices it's kind of an awkward year too to be too much all in on the new stuff um and i think at this point i expect to not drop support for um ios 12 for uh, at least probably honestly a year um but it seemed like a year to sort of focus more on not the front the front part of my summer would be focused on just getting things in a really good place um, rather than necessarily diving too much into the new stuff. And especially because I think a lot of the new things and the new capabilities that I'll be working on are, there'll be some new apps that I'll be working on. Um, thanks to the, 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 the new space in my uh, app catalog that I have from retiring uh, a number of things that I used to um, have be weighing me down. So that's like from earlier in the summer, if you remember, we did a whole episode about getting rid of things. That's That process is ongoing and continuing to go well to streamline things there. Um, and I'll be making, you know, sort of writing some new things. And the nice thing with new things is there's not as, there's not much so far that I've seen that's like, you need to be there on day one um, to really, you know, sort of take advantage of things. Like it's okay to be a little bit more declined. And I also, I think too, it's, uh, I'm very curious to see where we go hardware wise this this fall uh, to, and that may sort of inform a little bit uh, what direction I go into. And so instead I've just been making, working on making the existing apps that I have better. And like the first one that a big update that I did was a big update to Pedometer plus plus where, and I think this is very much one of those like tech debt, um, niggling features, problems that like affect 0.01% of users, but are for that one, 0.01% of users are really annoying kind of bugs. Um, and that was just sort of like this big update that had no big marquee features, but lots and lots of little features. Um, and the most amusing part of this particular update is that 
um, it, for the first time ever, uh, required or at least encouraged me to write unit tests, which I know is shocking. We've talked about this many times on the show that unit tests are not your or my favorite thing, but I ended up actually writing some unit tests, primarily because the situation that I was trying to like fix was one of these really weird database things where if you... If a user had a particular like structure of data and then they did a particular operation and then it merged with their Apple Watch, then you could end up in this kind of this sort of situation where you'd have some data inconsistency. But it was incredibly hard to actually cre- like create that situation where this would happen. And so that becomes a situation where like, all right, unit test is the right answer here, where I can very sort of consistently go through all the, have like the process of the unit test, create all the steps to create this you know, create this problematic case, check that my uh, fix is in fact working, and then like be confident about it. And I wrote it, it worked great. Like, it probably speaks to that. Um, and I think in, when you've talked about, you know, sort of automated testing in the past, it's one of those things where I feel like it is problematic when it becomes, um, like you become zealous about it and you start, it's like everything has to be unit tested and everything, you know, like your, your tests are just as important as your code. Like I find that kind of, uh, development perspective, a very sort of inflexible and non-pragmatic view. Um, but unit tests are just a, they're just other, like all you're doing is just writing other code to test your other code and doing it with some of the affordances of the tooling. And so in that sense, like the pragmatic thing is sometimes to just use your code that way. Um, and I wrote a unit test rather than um, the other version I could have done is would have had some like utility method that, you know, I pass an argument into the app on launch and it like goes through and messes with the database in an appropriate way um, to, to get into that situation. And I would run my test that way. But like functionally, that's I just took that code. And instead of kind of the awkward place of putting it actually into the code itself that. Um, you know, I don't want to ship to customers necessarily because I don't want to act, I don't want to somehow down the road accidentally create this bad situation in, in a customer's database. It's like putting it in that unit test was pragmatic, made sense, um, and worked fine. And so, but I have now officially written my first unit test um, after doing this professionally for like a decade. How do you feel? Does it? Do you feel like a, a different kind of person now? I, I feel remarkably the same. Do you? Um, do you feel like you you want to start testing everything? Just, just, just all the things. I yeah. can go crazy and just, just I'll start t- testing every, like have all that have the, that you know, that that every function I write now needs to have a precondition and a post condition. I think remember this right? Is that how that works? Yeah, I remember. Wasn't there? <laughs> this is where you start to get into like back in back in college. I remember taking like a software testing course, and it was this very tedious kind of mathematical approach to software development where you had this thing where every function was supposed to have a particular like precondition, like these are the possible ranges of values for the inputs, and then these are the, the postcondition is the value possible values for the outputs, and you would like structure, and so it's almost at a certain point, you're, like, your code becomes this giant equation that has to be perfect because you've sort of proved at every point that the input and output is correct, so the total output has to be correct, but I, I, I've never actually found that to be useful in practice. So, but no, it's, I mean, unit testing it is, it's, it's, it's just code. Like, I think that's the thing that is like the way that I view it is that it is a different type of code and it is useful insofar as it's like, sometimes you have to write code to test your other code and to make sure it works. But like beyond that, it's just, it's just a tool that's nice there. And like, but I don't really see, you know, like I have a couple, so now I have a few unit tests and probably before I do releases, Going forward, I'll like run my test suite 
once just because like why not it's you know it's it's it, it's it's that's, sitting that's kind there. Of the point <laughs> yeah. but like i don't expect it to be the kind of thing where like i'll do continuous integration and have it like running all the time and have an xcode server sitting somewhere like running this and like doing all that kind of stuff like that doesn't i mean that's just that's just not the way i work like i don't think of um i don't think of my code that way and honestly in, in a weird way like i'm not there's so many aspects too i think where because i'm a solo developer I so often, my code is not always in a shippable state. Um, like, I'm sure there are times that I'm intent, like, I'm breaking the build and I'm doing it and it's fine because I'm not affecting someone else when I do that. Um, like, I sometimes just want to, like, back, you know, I mean, this is years ago now, but when I used to work in, you know, in a bigger company, like, it was a big deal to sort of ever check in code that would break unit tests. And obviously, you can make your own development branches and, like, there's ways to work around this. But it was a big deal, and it was something that you had to have in your mind. Um, where sometimes I will just be like checking in code, and it's like I'm sometimes my commit message is just like seems to kind of work, and I'm just like <laughs> I'm just just like, and then like two you know like two commits later, it's like actually that didn't work at all, um, and it's like that's okay because I'm just having a little conversation with my version control about the, my, like my process as I go, and it's much you know like commits are lightweight and great. So I can just make as many of them as I want. And they're just little checkpoints for me. If I want to be like, oh man, I went down the totally wrong path here. Let me just like roll back. Um, and I can do that in kind of a lightweight way, but yeah, anyway, so do I've been do, down the road. Do you do branching much? Uh, do very little branching. Um, I what I tend to do is I have like my actual, like, this is the version I ship. And then the only time I typically branch is if I am going to be working on a major update while concurrently shipping um, minor bug fix updates. So like an example will be once I got this big update um, out that has all these like bug fixes for everyone, I will likely make a branch for iOS 13 and kind of work on that a little bit and then sort of work down that way. Um, But typically that is the extent of what I'm doing. And sometimes I also like, which is, I'm sure it's like a terrible thing, but sometimes I make those branches kind of like retroactively. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'll like go down a path and be like, huh, this, I was, I should probably make a, make a, make a branch of this at this point. Um, but it's all these weird, it's like these tricky things with like code hygiene and structure where um, it's, I, I have much more flexibility about it because I'm just, I, you know, a single developer and like, in the same way that unit tests exist to make my life easier, you know, like version control largely exists to make my life easier. And so doing something that was more heavy handed or even just like, like it's just never, it's never really clicked for me when that's like, okay, I'm going to work on version 4.1.2. Let me make the 4.1.2 branch and start working on that and then merge that into master and like do all that. Uh, I mean, I'm even the, this is the, this like, I don't know, this is like Dave's confessional where I'm like, I've actually changed masters several times too. But you can do that? Well, I just have like new master and like new, new master. Um, <laughs> oh no. And <laughs> master V2, final, final, final V1. <laughs> yep, exactly. I've, I've gone down that road too. And like, it works. Like it's, it's fine. And I'm sure, yes, I'm, I'm sure there's some git command I could actually do, but like, cause what, every now and then if i actually like try I'm, and i'm sure there's some like is this one is this, is this when i'm supposed to rebase or something i don't know what that means and, and rebase like hurts my head but there's, there's a whole bunch of like like advanced git maneuvers that just break my brain and i just don't i don't do i never just i just never do any of them i don't know what they mean i'm scared to ever try them 
yeah, but like this is the thing where like sometime I'll make a branch, I'll go down this path and like, and then I'll go to merge it back into master. And then it'll be like a big, massive set of conflicting changes or something in them. <laughs> and like, I don't, I don't want to like deal with that. Like that's just busy work that isn't actually name important because the name of the branch, that's the one I ship being called M-A-S-T-E-R is entirely like semantic, like who cares? And so I'll just be like, it's like, now I'll just be like, let, let me just take whatever this feature branch that I've been working on and I'll call it new master or I'll call it <laughs> Dave's awesome, Dave's awesome code. And like, this is, this is what, this is what I'm shipping now. Like, Super master. Works fine. Yeah. And the thing is because, um, like the way that version control works, like whatever the most recently worked on thing is like becomes the head of the tree of like version control. Like essentially the old master just like withers away and dies and I never see it again. And like, that's fine. So, wow. yeah, so you really do, are doing it more like a tree because, you know, when, when an actual tree branches don't ever merge back into the trunk. <laughs> That's, that is true. <laughs> so you're kind of like you're, you're doing it, you know, more semantically to the word branch in its original meaning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my branches go off and then some, it's like every, sometimes they kind of go back in towards the trunk. But most of the time, sometimes they just go off and become their own trees. It's like those really awesome trees where like the tree falls. You know, it's like basically what I'm doing is this, you know, when the tree falls down and then a new tree is like springs out of the trunk of the old tree. So you have like a tree that's horizontal and then another one comes up out of it vertically. <laughs> that is, that is my version control system. So. That's fantastic. No, I mean, and I think there, and, and first of all, before I forget, uh, I, I actually use branching a little closer to, the way I, I think we're quote supposed to do it, um, but but still not to the way that a large organization will do it. Because um, you know I, I do branching where I mostly am doing most of my work on the master branch for most of the year, but I will create branches if I'm doing like a big experiment that requires like what if I tear apart the UI and rearrange things in a really big way that I know would take a lot more work before it would ever become shippable. I'll create a branch for that. That like I'm going to change a whole bunch of code in a way that I probably don't want in the master and might never want in the master. So I'm going to do this experiment off to the side. Um, another way, another time I create branches, and by the way, most of those just get abandoned. Um, and then another way I, I do them more frequently is whenever there is a new beta season. So I basically, WWC Monday every year, I create a new branch for you know this year's iOS 13. And that branch requires iOS 13. So I get all the most fun warnings in Xcode about everything that's deprecated and everything that's changed and everything, all these new warnings. And I just slowly plow through and work on that branch throughout the summer as I, as I get things done. And it's for the same reason that you kind of mentioned earlier of like, I want to be able to ship updates to the master branch if necessary for the old OS over the summer. And this summer I've been doing a lot more of that uh, than I ever had before. I, I think almost every summer I've issued like between zero and one update in the entire summer for the old OS because I basically stopped working on that completely and put all my resources behind the new OS. This year is a little bit different. You mentioned this too. Um, This year is that, you know, it's iOS 13 not only is in a pretty rough state, uh, you know, and was in a pretty rough state for a while and might still be, but also it is the first update in a while to drop old device compatibility and so a combination of those two things, I think, is going to result in a slower than usual adoption rate. And also, there's not a lot in iOS 13 that I really must adopt on day one. There's a bunch of stuff I'm excited to, to migrate to and to add and to, you know, that'll make my app better. And I am working on a big iOS 13, you know, UI rearrangement and everything. 
but it's not urgent. And so it's not going to come soon. It's not going to come like on day one. I'm not going to do the thing I usually do where I drop support for the old OS basically in the first week of the new one coming out. Um, cause I, it's, it's basically not ready yet. I don't have time and, and I haven't, I haven't had the chance to finish it and it's, it's too big of a job. So instead what I've been doing is working on stuff in the iOS 12 branch that doesn't require 13. So underlying changes, code, you know, like under like, you know, model level changes, audio processing type changes, anything that doesn't require new APIs for 13, I'm doing on my master branch. And then, you know, every, every few weeks, like pulling it and merging it into my, uh, my iOS 13 branch. And then I have a second branch off of the iOS 13 one for uh, three column view because three column view breaks everything in the app. So that one is like the iOS 13 build is kind of shippable. The three column view branch, which is branched off the 13 branch is not at all shippable yet. Uh, I can't even use it on my own phone yet. It's so broken. Like the, everything is broken. Um, so I have this summer been doing a heck of a lot more in the master branch while leaving the beta branch as like my side project, which is totally the opposite of how you have usually done it. Um, but I, I do think there's a, a larger lesson here, which I'll get to in a moment. But first, we are brought to you this week by Zojo, X-O-J-O, Zojo. Zojo is a cross-platform development tool for creating native apps for the desktop, mobile, web, and even Raspberry Pi. Zojo currently supports macOS, Windows, Linux, iOS, and Androids coming soon. With Zojo, you write just one version of your app, say on the Mac, then you just literally check a checkbox and you have a completely native Windows version as well. Zojo uses native controls, so your app looks at home on every platform, and you'll be able to build apps 10 times faster, which will save you time and money. Zojo is great for everyone, from newbies to professional developers alike. It's currently used by over 300,000 developers worldwide, from students all the way up to Fortune 500 companies. Go take a look at their site, and you can see just how many companies you know use Zojo. It's free to use, and then licenses are required to build standalone apps. To learn more, go to zojo.com slash radar. That's X-O-J-O dot com slash radar. And you can get 20% off any license with the code radar. Thank you so much to Zojo for their support of this show and Relay FM. So I think one of the big themes that that you know c- covering both testing, which I also use, ex- but extremely little. Like I, I I have a test suite for the FC model database layer of my app, which by the mm-hmm. way is currently broken. Like it doesn't even build. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and and I shipped an FC model bug in my beta tree um, last week or the week before. I, I I shipped a couple of builds that had a pretty significant bug in FC model that caused really bad performance um and i didn't even run the tests i haven't run the tests in months which is why the build is broken um because <laughs> like certain things changed and the, the test suite build broke and i didn't notice so i'm not a good tester um and you aren't a very good version controller and no. <laughs> and and i think this this leads to a larger issue or a larger um i guess lesson or truth to this which is that many of these tools you know you mentioned continuous integration uh, even version control to to some degree, I, I do think all indies should be using version control, but you don't need to be doing a lot of particularly fancy stuff with it. Um, and certainly testing, I think, would be uh, in this category as well. These are these are tools that we have in the industry that are are kind of optional for indie developers because they're not really made for us. They could, this isn't to say they can't help us, but that they are really 
much more necessary when you have a team of developers. When you have multiple people working on the same code base, people at different skill levels working on different components, uh, maybe, you know, and especially as, as, as your team gets larger, these things become more and more necessary and more and more beneficial. But when you're just one person, a lot of these advanced tools don't have that much bang for the buck for you. And that isn't to say, again, that is, this isn't to say you can't benefit at all from them. You very much can benefit from all these things. Using advanced version control stuff, using test, you know, automated testing and test-driven development, anybody, one person up to a thousand people can benefit from this. However, I think the math changes of like what's worth it or not and, and to what degree you need to do this. Like how deeply do you need to run these tests? How advanced and how diligent do you have to be with your use of branches and different you know, commit styles and commit messages and version control? Like it, when, you're, when you're in India, it gives you not only the freedom to tone some of that down depending on your preferences and, and your needs, and, but also you, I think you have kind of an obligation to question a lot of this stuff and to question how far you need to go with it as an indie because you don't have time to do it all time is incredibly precious to indie developers it is by far our most limiting resource and if something's going to cost a ton of time to improve your code quality by you know five percent that might not be worth it so you have to kind of find that balance for yourself like which of these various advanced tools are actually worth it for you and I think too, it's it isn't even. There's a little bit of the time, but I think honestly, the thing that I find more important is like motivation and like fluidity. Where there are certain there are certain things that you could say are the like that that you should be doing because of like software engineering or just good like good best practice like you're setting yourself self up for more success in the future you're it's you're putting yourself into a good position like those are all true but what i like any the time that i'm like my tooling or my process is getting in the way of my creation uh, that is like i will fight that i will drop that it will hurt my motivation whatever it is i mean it is something that i think is for at least for me is just i am it's far better for me to be excited and just like cranking away and making stuff and getting it out and like being thorough, but in ways that are not cumbersome maybe. And so like many of these aspects of tooling or around testing or version control um, or whatever, like just sort of get in the way. And I like being lightweight with this stuff. And as much as there have been times that it like comes back to bite me, it has come back to bit me bite me way fewer times than you would think. And having done this for you know hundreds of uh, different releases over the years, like it's if you are you know act like the testing that's really important is getting it on devices and using it and playing with it and making sure that you really have an understanding of how, you know, how the app is going to work and that you put it through the use cases and the the experience and the reality is is that to that kind of testing also if you're put yourself in that position is you're exposing yourself to different kinds of problems more qualitative problems rather than just quantitative problems and like that's something that is also very important to be like man when i run this on this old device it's really slow like okay that's i mean in some ways you can sort of get that from a test but like having a number that says this you know running the test on this device um, it takes, you know, your test suite takes 16 seconds to complete rather than, uh, 13 seconds to complete. Like that may not be nearly as, um, 
impactful on you or as important to you. Um, and so that's just something else that I keep in mind. And I think especially I like kind of, it, I don't know, maybe like over the summer, you know, like everything's just kind of feels a little bit more loosey goosey for me, but like, it's a time of year where I enjoy just kind of trying things out and being more, being much less structured. Like it's, it kind of makes me laugh, but I feel like at the end of the summer, the rightmost page of my phone is full of <laughs> apps that are just like the white icon with the little yeah. icon grid in it. Like I'm not even, not even joking. I think I have probably, um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, eight. I have, I have 24 of those. <laughs> like an entire, That's awesome. it's like an entire page, like, and a few more, um, of, of apps and like i like this time of year where it's like ah, oh, i wonder it's like hey this is a new interesting api like let me just make an app and i'm not doing version control i'm not thinking about release or like anything kind of like structured for it it's just like you know xcode file new project give it a go and like 99 percent of that will just get thrown away but what is also kind of surprising and kind of nice is more often than not there'll be like one function from that from like that little like little experiment that little project that little thing i like did once on a like a hot afternoon in the summer when i was like feeling bored um will come back and it'll be useful or it's like the one you know or later in the, the time it'll be like oh like i wonder i need to use this new this this api how does it work or like i have in my mind oh man that api is like full of dragons and it's going to bite my head off and i'm not even going to go near it like it's it's useful and some of that is just about being 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 loose with if like fast and loose with the stuff with the stuff that you can be and then just being like conscious and intentional with the stuff that is probably best not to be and i think there's you know as indies we have to think about the entire business not just the code and a lot of this stuff i I think your 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 instinct to avoid and get rid of things that slow you down from experimentation is very good for this business because you can have the most battle-hardened, you know, rock-hard, tested, 100% test suite coverage. You can have the best app in in code quality in your category, and then someone else can come with a really crappy one and take a bunch of market share from you because they can move faster than you, or they're doing thing, they're doing features that you didn't do, or they're undercutting you on price, or whatever else. Like, the market does not reward code quality beyond a certain level. We're not launching the space shuttle here. We're making apps for phones, for the most part, like, that that aren't very important that no one's going to die or get hurt if our app crashes or behaves slightly weirdly like you know if you're in one of those fields where that's not not the case please don't listen to any of this advice but <laughs> but like you know most of us are doing things that that level of code quality mostly just hinders us and it's really hard to accept as a developer like there's a bug here i know there's a bug here and i have to ship this version anyway because i'm going to miss the deadline if i don't or whatever but Again, it's it's about finding balance. You can't have massive, you know, top 100% code quality and also still be nimble and be making an app that that has, you know, good features and is competitive in your category if you're one person. You just can't. Like, you're only one person. And so you, you have to kind of choose areas in which to take shortcuts that hopefully won't impact things too badly and will hopefully keep you nimble and keep you competitive. And you have to think about the whole business holistically, not just the code quality itself. Yeah. And I think too, there's an under aspect too of making sure that you are under, you understand why you're doing something that you're doing. Like there's a, there's the reasons why many organizations have robust processes and 
like sophisticated version control or build or continuous integration, the reason why they do that may be to catch problems that won't exist in your case. Like some of the continuous integration stuff is about making sure that merge conflicts don't mess up the builds. Like you're not going to have a lot of merge conflicts if you're the only person working on the code. It's not <laughs> like someone else has been working on it. Like these, these are, there's a reason why that exists and that may not be something that actually applies to you. And so like doing something blindly is never a good idea. So it's also like, think just being thoughtful and saying, is this actually useful? Is this making my product better? Is this improving my product in a way that my customers are going to appreciate and enjoy? And is it motivating me? Is it keeping me excited? Is it keeping me moving? And, like doing all the things that are actually driving the product forward. And if it is, great, do it. Otherwise, like drop it and it's like spend that time enjoying the summer instead. And and more importantly than a lot of these factors, it you have to consider is it worth it? Because all these things have costs. They all have costs. You know, you can point to any of these things and say, well, if you have if you do this kind of practice or this kind of technique, you'll save yourself from problems X, Y, and Z, and that's invaluable. But nope, it has it has a value, and all these things have costs, and you have to weigh whether those costs are worth it. A lot of times we get so obsessed with the cool part of what these tools and techniques can do that we ignore the costs. We ignore, like, wow, that took me eight hours to set up <laughs> or something. Like, you, yeah. you ignore those costs. But these all have costs, and you could be doing other things with that time instead, possibly even nothing and taking a vacation, and you have to really weigh what that's worth. Companies are really bad at that. Companies waste a lot of money <laughs> on, on things they might not... They, they might not need because they're afraid of different factors and everything. But you as an indie have to be more conscious of time cost of what these things take. Yeah. Anyway, this here we go proves that we can talk about anything for a half hour. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you in two weeks, hopefully with a topic that time. Yeah. All right. Bye.